The Secret Place, take two. Last Sunday was The Secret Place, take one. You just thought it was one and done, but we bringing it back, baby, for round two. And um, I'm excited to share. Today's going to have a bit more of a practical theme to it, uh, a bit of a practical vision side of it. So um, last week was inspiration heavy. Today will be a little more practical how you can begin to cultivate the secret place. And I had this thought yesterday. I experienced just a stark reality in my life yesterday. I don't do cars well. I mean that. I want you to feel the weight of that. I don't do cars well. I've killed a Ford Ranger. I've, uh, I, I took care of a Jeep Patriot all by myself. Uh, not by accidents, uh, not by poor driving. My wife may argue with that, but <laughs> full disclosure, but by a word called stewardship. I'm getting better, all right? I think if you were to interview my cars now, they would say, yeah, he's, he's getting better. Um, not the best, but he's getting better. I know plenty of you do take care of your vehicles. You know how to uh, do car maintenance well, but I do not. And so yesterday, I experienced, it's the simple joys, isn't it, in life? I experienced a simple joy such as replenishing the power steering fluid in our car. And it's amazing how that drive uh, since then has been going. It was wonderful. It's like a new car. Um, and it's so fun. I see there's more than just oil that needs replenishing in your car. For some of you, that's, that's worth the price of admission just right there. But <laughs> I was thinking about this because I was thinking about last week and this week, we talk about the secret place. The secret place comes out of Psalm 91. Verses 1 through 2. It talks about those or they who dwell in the secret place of Almighty God will rest in His shadow. We rest under the shadow of Almighty God. How do we do that? It's through the secret place. In Christianity, and a lot of times in our culture, we have a tendency to think with more information, with more information we can sustain what God's calling us to sustain. We can have relationships that are healthy, that are whole. We can have a career that, it, that, that goes the distance simply if we have the right information. You know this to be true because if you've ever taken an IQ test or an SAT entrance exam or an ACT, what are they testing for? Your intelligence how sharp or how <laughs> blunt your thinking is, all right? And that's important. Intelligence is very, very important. But in church world, oftentimes we just take that set of rules and that playbook and just swing it right into Christianity, a relationship with God. And there is a level of, man, study is needed. We want to get some things right. You do want to think. But one of the things they're finding out in culture especially is EQ is important, which is emotional intelligence. Because it doesn't do great to have a CEO or a CFO who's brilliant, but is, <laughs> you know, terrible behind the scenes. But in church 
culture, EQ is important. But I also consider cultivating the secret place with God, a relationship of prayer, a relationship of conversation, a relationship that is listening. We, we listen from within. I would say that can help sustain our journey with Christ through the ups and through the downs. And it's the same with my vehicle. It needs power steering fluid, much to my surprise. And what I've found is that when people lean in or begin to cultivate the secret place, it's like, I don't know how else to say it. Not a, in some ways, it's like being born again, again. And they begin to understand and recognize that God loves them, that, that he cares for them, that as was shared earlier, that though suffering and disappointment and heartbreak may come, you can know the love that's closer than any human love that we can experience the love of God. Or as Paul would write, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So last week, I shared a good deal about that. But the secret place, I need to say this, while the example of, you know, power steering fluid, it helps you steer through life and steer your car, and how the Holy Spirit are cultivating that intimate relationship, it does break down. I would say the secret place is more important than power steering fluid, okay? Just know that out the gate. But it is what is needed to continue in the journey of life, and it doesn't happen organically. It doesn't just kind of happen. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but um, it takes attention and intention from you and me. You ever notice that? Um, God's called us into a partnership, and so he wants us involved with the process. And so today, I want to just invite you. I want to encourage you. I want to um, just even challenge you to become intentional with your relationship with God, to become intentional. When was the last time you just sat in the presence of God? When was the last time, not in a Sunday service, but when you prayed, when you poured out your heart to God, where you just laid every need before him. When was the last time you expected a miracle? God, if you don't come through, this is not going to happen. When was the last time you just put your faith out there? When was the last time you just rested and slowed down and received the peace of God? Let him, as, you, as, as scripture would say, just, just kind of pour over the pain and the hurt in your soul. That's available to us in this secret place. So Psalm 91, let me read verse 1 and 2. Give you a little more context. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. My translation, shelter. Other translations, secret place. We want to be in the shadow of God, we want to be overshadowed by His goodness, overshadowed by His love. It doesn't just happen. We have to position ourselves, right? We have to position ourselves to be in relationship. I remember where Kelly and I are celebrating 15 years of marriage this weekend. And I remember, yeah, yes, yeah, very excited. And I remember I had to shift from just seeing 
this beautiful lady at the young adult meetings we were attending to. And I had a shift from just thinking she was gorgeous to talking to her and finding out how beautiful she was inside and outside. But then she was, if you will, a little bit known. But then I realized, oh, I, I really like her. And so, come on, some of you, this, you may need to hear this, right? Yeah, I, I had to call this person. I had to actually pick up the phone. The phone didn't just call itself. That would have been creepy and crazy. Maybe that could be a movie somewhere sometime. I don't know. The, the call didn't just happen. I actually had to pick up the phone. And then I had a text. You know, I had a partner with what was happening on the inside. I couldn't just, <laughs> I couldn't just hope for the best. Man, I hope, why, why hasn't she asked me out yet? Yeah. I know that may be, <laughs> that may be how some of you think it works. It don't work that way, you know? But I had to, I had to partner with the process. But here's what's so funny. <laughs> Y'all get that. But your relationship with God is just like, all right, God, when you going to move? When you... <laughs> God, God, when are you going to show up? When are you going to do this? And, and God's like, I'm here. When are you going to put down the phone? When are you, when you, when you going to fast that social media, Paul? When I want to. You know, wait, wait. When, 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 when are you going to take the first step? I say that lovingly. I really do. I really do. Because there are treasures, if you will, Proverbs talks about this. There are treasures that are hidden, but it is our joy to seek them out. It's a beautiful thing. And here's, here's maybe how you've heard it. Well, only certain people get access to God's presence. Well, only as for people on the platform, or that's for people who are eloquent. You know, no. That's, well, that's for people who have, you know, had a perfect week or had a perfect day or just flawless. <laughs> no. That's a lie. That is a lie. It is for every person. Hebrews would say because of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection and ascension, what we call the gospel, because of the gospel, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. So I'm going to make a few assumptions about you today. This is a very, very famous pastoral assumption. Number one. You're interested. That's a bold play. I know it. I know it. I know. I already lost some of y'all, and I know it. That's a bold play. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pretend for the next 12 minutes you're interested. And number two, I'm going to trust that God is going to speak through some of the thoughts I have to share. That's an equally as bold play. But I believe God's going to lead us and invite us in the season. Some of these are going to seem very, very simple, very, very practical, but let's partner with God and let's become intentional people with our relationship with God. So cultivating the secret place. First, pick a place and pick a time to meet with God. He's there. I already know this about tomorrow. When you pick a place and a time, God's going to be there. God's going to be there. So I'm asking you to pick the place and to pick a time. Mark 1.35. Throughout the Gospels, you get these little teeny glimpses 
In between Jesus' miracles and in between his teachings and in between all of his invitations to come and die, Jesus has these little window into his day-to-day living. Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, amen, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus, I thought it all just came to you. Why did you have to get up? While it was still dark, people do that? I don't know, but why why do you have to go off into a solitary place? I mean, you're the son of the living God. What's the deal? Even Jesus cultivated intimacy with the Father. Even Jesus cultivated a relationship with his father, walking in tandem. So set a time. I don't want you to feel condemnation or the challenge of that scripture. I don't care if it's early morning. Some of you, God don't need to see you early morning. He needs you late night. All right? Just say, just say he don't need that bad breath. He, he, he don't need that hair. Come on, somebody. You know I'm talking to you. Those pajama pants need no place at the altar of God. All right? <laughs> God doesn't care about all those things, but I'm having fun. All right. So pick a place and pick a time. It could be your car. It could be the parking place 10 minutes before you walk in to work. It could be the drive into work. I literally, I have no, there are no parameters for this cultivation. But what it will require is that you pick, you have a place each day. Each day where you can meet with God. Here's what's radically available to us. Radically available to us. Paul says, you and I are temples of God. Do you know what temples function was in society? Even in other religions, you could be aware or know what temples are. They're a place where the supernatural and the natural meet. For Christians and for Jews, our Judeo-Christian heritage, it's a place where heaven and earth meet. It's one of the beautiful images of Jesus on the cross was a place where heaven and earth met. Here's what's amazing about our relationship with God is that your car, that parking place, that walk at lunch, wherever rhythm you need, if you pick a place, you pick a time. Here's what I know. That's a place where heaven and earth meet. Paul says now, he lets us know, he's trying to get us to see our image as God sees it. He says, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost? We're we're carrying the message, the witness of God. You need a time. You need a place. I read a phenomenal statistic, which is incredibly aggravating and an indictment against our society. So you know I'm going to share it. Just for fun, let me share it. 22,000 hours. 22,000 hours. Millennial, Gen Z, this is no shame game. I love millennial, Gen Z generations. But statistics say, statistics say, 
22,000 hours is the amount of video games played by a young adult male when he turns 21 in these United States. You have time. My screen time on my phone is an indictment <laughs> saying, Paul, you have some time. I encourage you, you have some time. 1 Corinthians 10.23, Paul tells us, he's like, video games aren't bad. Hobbies, going golfing, going running, going on trails, doing what you do, boating, living life, enjoying life. We love that. Delight in that. I'm saying do it all, but don't sin. But do it all. Have a sports team. Go all in. Enjoy it. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful, that is morally legitimate and permissible, but not all things are beneficial or advantageous. That right there sometimes is the window between going or excuse me, growing in your journey with God. I don't say that in a legalistic, religious manner. No, we don't love that. And we don't like that. But we begin to learn not all things are beneficial for my life in Christ. Not all things are advantageous for my life in Christ. And so Paul's things, all things are lawful, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spiritual life. I got to move. Pick a, <laughs> pick a place. Pick a time. Second, pick a plan. This is a bit of the crippling obstacle in our culture. Sometimes we just pick the wrong plan. We want to meet with God, but we got a bad plan. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to read the Bible. That's okay for now. A year from now, don't say, I don't know how to read. <laughs> I don't know how to play. pray. All right? Right now, that's okay. But we want to move into a place that the plan that we have is life-giving. Don't just trust everything on the Bible app. We, we big-time promoters of the Bible app. You can trust almost everything on the Bible app. But don't just trust anything on the Bible app because here's what you need to pair. The plan with the season of life you're in. The plan with the season of life you're in. Be self-aware. What kind of season am I in? Match a plan with that season of life. Jesus had a plan. He would pray out of Deuteronomy, what's called the Shema. It was their most ancient creed and their most sacred prayer. He'd pray that over three times a day. Jews to this day, the Israelites, they pray that prayer. He had a plan. He wasn't just waffling. He was in the presence of God, meeting with God, planning to meet with God. I shared last week, um, when, I was, when I was about 14, 15, I started reading Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. I didn't change that plan for a long time. I kept that plan, <laughs> first off, because I didn't get it the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. I needed to keep. It took, I had to have a plan to interpret the plan I was on, somebody. All right, so I say that to say, just pick a plan. Here, here are a couple thoughts. A couple thoughts I love. I love the New Testament. You can start with the book of John. Just begin to read. 
one chapter for a day, 21 days. You'll get through the entire Gospel of John. Just begin to read Scripture. God meets us with that intention. God meets us with that passion. God meets us with that zeal. And just begin to learn. And guess what? 21 days pass, you're going to know Christ in a deeper, in a richer way. I believe that these are ordained and have been led by the Holy Spirit. They're inspired to bring us to life and that we may know God. The Bible's always the best plan to start. Other great options, Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. Love Jesus Calling. If you're like, man, I just wish I could hear God's voice. Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. You're welcome. Amazon.com, baby. All right. My daughter's going through Jesus Calling for Kids. I've read them. And we do that at night. I need Jesus Calling for Kids. So you may need some Jesus Calling for Kids. So you can just, you know, I, I don't... T- to date, I don't think there's a my utmost for his highest for kids. Um, but there is a Jesus calling for kids. But the intention, again, is, is God, God, this is my plunge. I'm going to try to meet with you. We've got five Sundays after this Sunday. Six and a half weeks left of, left of 2021. What if, hypothetically speaking, of course, what if we decided to lean in to our relationship with God. I mean, who knows what could happen? Revival could happen in our own lives. We could get a vision for our life that we've never experienced before. We we could move from just thinking thoughts about God to hearing His thoughts over our life. I mean, it is one thing to come to church and hear your sins are forgiven. You're going to hear that almost every Sunday. Your sins are forgiven. But there's something about sitting and Jesus looking at you and saying, Paul, I have no record of wrongs. And then you interact a little bit and you say, well, let me inform you. Do you remember when? No. Do you remember When, 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 when? Because everybody else remembers. How do you not remember? Because as far as the east is from the west, so have I removed your transgressions from you. No kidding. That'll change your life. Because there's one thing for me to try to convince you. I spend a lot of time trying to convince. But it's another thing for the Holy Spirit meeting you and just releasing all of that Christian, if you will, negative baggage that you've received over your life. It's another thing for God to meet you. Meet you in that moment. And by Christian, I meant sometimes the church, we don't always get it right. That church baggage, that hurt baggage, that pain baggage, that legalistic baggage, those lies of the enemy where sometimes church people are better at accusing you of sins than the devil. You know, see what I mean? So it's one thing to be with Jesus and let his mercy just wash over you. Third is remain flexible. Remain flexible with your plan. If you get a plan, if you lean in, if you take this to heart and you begin tomorrow or you begin today, man, I'm just going to spend the time. If it's working, stick with it. If it's not working, change it. Don't quit it. Change it. Change it, right? It's like the five love languages. We spent 
going through those? Listen, if, you, if you're trying to communicate love and it ain't working, what do you say? Oh, I just don't love them anymore. Can't work. Can't work. Not going to work. Might as well give up. <laughs> don't do that. Right? What do you do? You, you change it. You change. Oh, oh, okay. So they don't, they're not into gifts. They, they need quality time. Oh, okay. It's a little bit like that with the plan. Meeting with God. Sometimes there are rigorous plans. If you're starting at zero, you may not need to do the Bible in a year. You may need to do the Bible in a year. You may just not need to do the Bible in 90 days. Tried it, failed miserably. Faked it for a few days because we were doing it as a staff where I used to work. But anyhow, um, so remain flexible. Tweak, make a change. If the place doesn't work that you have currently set up, Make a change. Get up five minutes earlier. Maybe you have a quiet time in your home before you go. In the, if the car ride isn't working, you have time at home. All right. Four, go slow and listen. Build in margin for your time. Give yourself a buffer of time so that you spend time listening. All right? So that you spend time listening. The secret place is not about reading or speaking, but predominantly listening. Part of the reason... <laughs> I'm not a hypocrite, okay? Just, I, well, let me say this. I try not to be a hypocrite. That's probably that's a little boring. We promote the Bible app. If you open your worship guide on the bottom of the notes, it has the Bible app. Um, I used to do the Bible app, and I love it. There are plans on there I really, really promote. But I started using the social aspect of the Bible plan. I don't know if they still have it or not. But all of a sudden, everybody can see the plan you're doing, and you can see their plans. And that just got exhausting for me. But you may want to hit the privacy button if you're doing the Bible app. Say that. Because if you have com- competitive tendencies like I occasionally do, you try to, you know, you get in the Bible Devo one-upmanship. I'm just saying, I'm not saying you do, but I'm saying some of us can't. You may not want to be on the Bible app. Get you a hard copy of the plan and do it. Because the premise is not for anybody else to see. Because this is a hidden place. Don't forget that key adjective, the secret place. Jesus' instruction on prayer, Matthew 6, 6. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door behind you that your Father may reward you. Verse 5 talks about the Pharisees wanting everybody to see their quiet time and see their secret place. No, no, no. This is the secret. This is the hidden place where you can be authentic with God. You can be real. And you can hear that forethought was go slow and listen. Number five, this is probably the most important. Ask other people. Ask other people what they're doing. If they have no fruit in their life, don't ask other people. If they have fruit in their life, ask other people. I'm here today because I asked other people. Many times I asked the right people and then I listened to what they recommended and I painfully at times did what they said. And that includes the secret place. I wanted my spirituality to come to me and it just to kind of happen. But as I began to ask other people, they're like, it doesn't just happen for anybody. If you're meeting with somebody and you can tell that there's a depth and a rich treasure eternally and spiritually about them, 
they have slowly and steadfastly cultivated a place with God. And so ask him, hey, what do you do? How can I learn? What, what would you recommend? So, I end with a story. And then we'll pray and we'll move on. I've taken a few moments to share some very practical steps. That's what pastors do from time to time. But nothing beats a story. And this story comes out of a book called Abba's Child by Brennan Manning. He tells the following story of an old man who was dying of cancer. The man's daughter had asked the local priest to come and pray with her father. When the priest arrived, he found the man lying in bed with his head propped up on two pillows and an empty chair beside his bed. Can we bring the picture up? The priest assumed that the old fellow had been informed of his visit. I guess you were expecting me, he said. No, who are you? I'm the new associate at your parish, the priest replied. When I saw the empty chair, I figured you knew I was going to show up. Oh yeah, the chair, said the bedridden man. Would you mind closing the door? (laughs) Puzzled, the priest shut the door. I've never told anyone this, not even my daughter said the man. But all of my life, I've never known how to pray. At the Sunday Mass, I used to hear the pastor talk about prayer, but it always went right over my head. I abandoned any attempt at prayer, the old man continued, until one day, about four years ago, my best friend said to me, Joe, prayer is just a simple matter of having a conversation with Jesus. Here's what I suggest. Sit down on a chair. Place an empty chair in front of you and in faith, see Jesus on the chair. It's not spooky because he promised, I'll be with you always. Then just speak to him and listen in the same way you're doing with me right now. So Father, I tried it. And I liked it so much that I do it a couple of hours every day. I'm careful though. If my daughter saw me talking to an empty chair, she'd either have a nervous breakdown or send me off to the funny farm. (laughs) The priest was deeply moved by the story and encouraged the old guy to continue on the journey. Then he prayed with him, anointed him with oil, and returned to the rectory. Two nights later, the daughter called to tell the priest that her daddy had died that afternoon. Did he seem to die in peace? The priest asked. Yes. When I left the house around 2 o'clock, he called me over to his bedside, told me one of his corny jokes, and kissed me on the cheek. When I got back from the store an hour later, I found him dead. But there was something strange, Father. In fact, it's beyond strange. It's kind of weird. Apparently, just before Daddy died, he leaned over, and rested his head on a chair beside the bed. The secret place is available 
to you and to me. God wants to meet with you. He has, like I shared a moment ago, treasures in store for you that only come through quietness, stillness, where you have intentionally decided, I want to have my life marked by the presence of God. It's an invitation that we could experience God's love, not just in our head, but we can live knowing it in our heart. That is one of my most consistent prayers for you, is that you would know the love of God, not in your head, but in your heart. That you would understand how deep and wide and strong the love of God is for you and for your family. Let's close together in prayer.